welcome back, everybody, to the CNC Replay. My name's Noelle. My name's Corey, um, and I think we have a little bit more uh, less chaotic. More less chaotic. Man, words are great today. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully it will week. be less chaotic. Yes, it and, is just the two of us. And apologize for late uh, recording slash release. Uh, busy. Yeah, real <laughs> busy. Real, real busy. Noelle just decided to go to the other side of the country, and uh, yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, happy mm -hmm. Halloween, because um, that's probably... When this will get to you. <laughs> when this will get to you. Or if you're behind, like Brecken, um, it'll be past Halloween. It'll be like Christmas or something. So happy Halloween, Brecken. <laughs> um, Merry Christmas. Mer Merry Chrysler. What's up first? What are we talking? Lions? Do we have to? <laughs> Do we have to? Not really. No. Okay. So honestly, I was expecting, I was expecting a bloodbath. I was, I thought the rage of a thousand suns were going to be dismantled upon the Detroit Lions fra franchise. I was I was actually convinced. I convinced myself that Stafford was going to throw seven touchdown passes. Like and I was not exaggerating. I was like the, all of the rage <laughs> that that man has for this team is going to be felt in the, in this one game. Um but that's not what happened by any stretch of the means. No. And the, it was one of those games that the Lions really didn't have any business being in, and the final score kind of shows that they weren't in the game. But um, Dan Campbell was trying. He threw everything he had at this game. Absolutely everything. I mean, what madman gets the ball first, scores, and then onside kicks, gets the ball back again, and then fake punts not once but twice successfully. Dan Campbell, apparently. I, I mean, regardless of whether you think that was a strong football move or not to do. <laughs> I, but in theory, it, yeah. it, it kind of was because the defense is what it is. And you're already shorthanded all over the field. On your, on your defense when healthy is not very good. Mm -hmm. So why the heck not try to do something crazy like that? And I, the NFL world was talking about that. It's like the Lions are playing from a spot where they literally have nothing else to lose, so why not throw the kitchen sink? And I think in that regard of the biggest takeaway from this game, other than like the Stafford stuff, which we'll get to in a minute, um, that was encouraging to see because we could see everyone was kind of questioning whether Campbell could coach. Um, and I think that was a game where he coached pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, especially with those calls. Um, he kept the Rams off balance. He, you know, and he did not just settle for one successful conversion. He, he went after it again. I mean, the guy was three for three on, on special teams conversions. Yep. I, I, that's, uh, that's pretty good. And I know a lot, of, you know, it's, there's luck involved there's, but also there's some skill as well. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody, uh, and this is a completely different stage, but everyone talks about how when Sean Payton on the Saints and they won in 2009, onside kicked at, at uh, the beginning of the second half, and they call that a brilliant coaching move. Much, much lower scale, but I think you'd have to say in the first quarter of a game that you were already projected to lose by a billion points. Why the heck not? I mean, right. they had right. they, the Lions in that game scored twice before the Rams even touched the ball on offense. Mm -hmm. that's progress yeah. in, in that regard. That I'm, that, that kind of gives you, if Lions fans have nothing to build off of, literally nothing. So we have, <laughs> Zero to, we have to pick and find things to, to, to build some confidence off of. Mm -hmm. And something like that bodes really, really well. I mean, just, I, I I'm saying it again because I, it just kind of is dumbfounding to the Lions scored twice before the Rams even touched the ball. On offense. When was the last time that's happened, if ever? I don't know. I'd like to see what that is because usually, like, oh, a team scores twice before, like, another team's offense or whatever. Because it might have happened, like, on special teams. Like, okay, one team gets the ball, goes down the field and scores, and then they kick the ball off, and then somebody fumbles and they on the return, and then they re return it after that. But um, in that fashion, I can't imagine it's happened very many times. I would right. say under. I would say under ten, maybe. Maybe a little bit more than that. I don't know. But still, that was pretty cool. That was pretty amazing. As far as the rest of the game, um, DeAndre Swift is really good, <laughs> period. Um, he and, might be 
the only good, the only really good that the Lions have at the moment. I still think Hawkinson's a freak, but maybe he's a freak junior because he gets shut yeah. down quite a bit. Yeah. Um, Khalif, or no, I, I want to keep talking about Swift. Um, he's a he's a very very good all purpose back. Catch the ball out of the backfield, run between mm-hmm. the tackles, do do just about everything. Um, mm-hmm. And we we did really well on screens this week. That I think that was the touchdown that we had uh, for Swift. Um, it was like a forty yards, forty something yard screen pass. Um, and I saw a stat the Lions did um, like Swift has had fifteen hundred all purpose yards in his first twenty games um, as a Lions player, and only two other players have done that. Um, and that was Barry Sanders and Billy Sims. So get thrown in with those guys. That's in good company. That's, good company. That's, that's good company to have. It, it was something on that stat. The Lions have it. Uh, they tweeted it out earlier this week. Um, so that was encouraging to see. Uh, Khalif Raymond for a sixth-round pick, I like that. I've said that from the beginning. I you know, I think they could have something with him, and he's he is a, he is a short and quick receiver. I mm-hmm. think he had over a hundred receiving yards in this past this past game, um, and is probably your number one receiving target on this team. Now, again, Khalif Raymond on any other team would not be the number one receiving target. He probably wouldn't even be the number two or three. Um, but this is what we have right now in Detroit, and this is a guy who um, I know a Titans fan uh, down here. Um, it's like, yeah, we were working with him really, really hard. Nothing really came out of it, but, uh, he's gotten a chance here now and it looks Mm -hmm. like he's a, he's a serviceable NFL wide receiver. Um, and when, when you have an offense that can't throw the ball 20 yards (laughs) down the field, uh, you need someone who can have some sort of separation in that Mm -hmm. regard. And Cleef Raymond is that guy. Hawkinson is like a coin flip right now, but I think a lot of, of, of sheer talent from your receiving core, Hawkinson is the guy who's going to get the most uh, coverage and the most game plan against. So if you're going to make excuses, I know you can't really make excuses, but like it's going to be a lot tougher for him to get some separation on his own because all of the, all of everything that teams are game planning for are on Hawkinson. And then Mm -hmm. you'll have to shift that to Swift. And then that's probably why Raymond is getting some of the plays that he's getting. Um, Jared Goff. That man. Oof. He can't read a field. He's, he's bad. He's, it's bad. And they had, mm -hmm. they had an opportunity to, to get themselves back in the game and that interception in the end zone, double coverage underthrown. Like you had time, throw the ball away. Do yeah. something. You I mean, can't. You can't do that. You and, can't. And I don't. I don't know if it's. This is a product of the offense that he's not airing it out. But still, like it, it, it was, it was serviceable to good play the first few games of the season, and now we've had three, two, three games in a row where golf has been a problem on this offense. Mm-hmm. And I, you're not going to fix it because this team is 0 and 7 or 0 and 8 or whatever they are right now. Might as well just chalk up a loss. No, just kidding. I think they they have a chance to win next week's game because the Eagles are a mess as well. I don't um, say that too confidently. I, I said they have a chance. <laughs> a chance. I didn't say they were gonna. I said they yeah. have a chance. Yeah. Um. And I, frankly, I don't know what you do, but I think this what some people were concerned about was like, oh, I think uh, the the Holmes um, and Campbell Brass were going to believe in Goff as a starting quarterback of the future. Like, I feel like that was a, a, a concern for some fans. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. we're not going to draft a quarterback because of this. Um, I, I I think we're seeing now that that's not Goff's not, it's gonna not feasible. Have, Goff's not going to have a future, um, which also is discouraging because the the quarterback class for this year's draft isn't very good um i would not feel comfortable taking any of those guys at number one um because the surefire first quarterback taken this year and heisman trophy uh finalist sam howell from unc has not had a very good year this year um excuse me so i don't know what you do but you're on the hook 
Goff is here to stay, unfortunately, but you mm-hmm. could bury him somehow. Um, and it, essentially you're stuck because you're not going to trade draft capital for a quarterback that you're not going to, that you're not going to start, but maybe you will. I I've heard, I've heard some murmurs about, uh, Gardner Minshew, um, who's currently buried if the, in the Eagles, uh, uh, in the Eagles quarterback room. And if you look at Gardner Minshew's stats, um, he was a guy who's drafted in the sixth round, wasn't supposed to be anything. And then his first full season with Jackson, or I guess his first season with Jacksonville, he led them to a six and six record as a starter. Um, And this was a team that was not very good, but Minshew had a 90 plus quarterback rating in both seasons that he was starting. Didn't necessarily um, translate to victories on the field, um, but mm-hmm. he was a, he was a he wasn't the reason that teams were losing games. Now, uh, Goff is becoming the reason why we're we're not able to win, and maybe even why we're losing games, um, which is scary because we have him for at least one more year. So, yes, yeah, and I think I so I didn't get to watch the game, but I watched highlights today during work, um, and. I think it was it was interest what was interesting to me was watching the sheer excitement on the bench whenever something good happened for the Lions mm-hmm. and then remembering that Matt Stafford was across field watching that and just thinking about if our quarterbacks were switched back for that game we would have hands down have won. You know, like sure because Stafford would have been able to take it not so super talented receiving core and done something with it because he's so good at reading the field and he can thread a needle with the ball and elevating. Yep. And he, yep. He's just, he's, that is one of his talents. He is so good at that as a leader. And I just wonder what he, I just wonder what he was thinking watching that whole thing. I mean, I know that they won, so he probably wasn't like upset at all. But just watching probably the the culture difference, even from across the field, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just seeing the excitement in everybody's faces, even if most of this, maybe not most, but a decent amount of this team is new guys that he didn't get to connect with or play with at all. I think he would have loved playing for Campbell. I think he would have too. Which is which is unfortunate because you you couldn't have him play for Campbell. Because yeah. I mean, for as much better as the team would be with Stafford on it, they still would not be in playoff contention right now. I mean, that's just yep. the, that's just the fact that we have to face. Yeah. Um, would they have a win by now? Yeah, I think they would have maybe two, maybe three. Um, but still, they'd be on the outside looking in and still in last place in their division. Um, right. So that that's the that's the I think a, a painful piece to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you like that the players are like I mean, the complexion of the team is drastically different you have a lot of guys who are not very good but are getting a chance to play and they're i I don't want to some of them are taking advantage of it with the production on the field but at least they're enjoying you know being there (laughs) right um which is a a part of the battle but you know you you talk about moral victories more so in the lower levels of 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 sport like high school middle school like you have to enjoy have fun there but Mm -hmm. like at, at some point in the nfl like Having fun's important. Having guys that want to be there is important, but you got to get some wins. Um, right. And this year is not going to be that year um, at all. Whatsoever. No, no. So. It's just not. And even if they did have Stafford, um, it probably wouldn't be next year um, mm-hmm. or the year after that. So that's probably why they had to make the move. But I think we're all rooting for Stafford. Um, there were so many uh, number nine Lions jerseys in LA. Um, oh, I believe it. For that game, and then... I was listening to one of my, my I was listening to my Lions podcast, and the reporter who was um, at the game, he was like, it was almost like watching a college game because it was probably forty, sixty Rams fans, and everybody was excited. The bench was so excited, the crowd was just lit at for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine that just the atmosphere of that was electric, and probably hasn't been that in yeah. a decade. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
there was uh, something floating around too with Stafford. Um, he was interviewed and they talked about some, some question about the Lions came up and mm-hmm. he he prefaced his like, hey, like I love being in LA. You know, I've, I'm really you know I'm really excited and seeing where this team's going. But you know, all like the 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 typical yeah qu- quarterback you know speech. Um, but he was also like he gave props to the Lions, which is like I love my time in Detroit. I have nothing bad to say about it. It was difficult at times, but it shaped me into the player and the man that I am today. Which Stafford is a guy, and this is what I tell people who don't understand the Lions' futility. Stafford was a guy that, A, he's your superstar, your franchise player, but he's also the guy that isn't going to get in get in trouble by the words that he uses. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that... That was a pretty fairly mundane um, response statement. statement, but yet it was impactful because you know that every time the guy opens his mouth, what he's saying is the truth. Like he's not like sugarcoating anything. He's saying he he's a guy that it, he's the most even keltered, call it as I see it type player. Yes, because there's guys who are even keltered that are just like they won't let you know what's going on. But no, Stafford lets you know 100 percent what's going on while still being level-headed, and I think that's very, mm-hmm. very rare, especially at the quarterback position. Um, you could maybe say Tom Brady, but I feel like Tom Brady has, still has a little bit more edge um, to his his post game. Aaron Rodgers 100 percent has a little bit more edge, um, mm-hmm. but there's been some very, very good quarterbacks in this league that have been like Stafford. Um, with that even keltered, um, even keltered call it as it is. Mm-hmm. Even keeled, but yes. Yeah, I guess I'm getting getting the words wrong, but um, I'm just, I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying to think of a few. Um, I feel like Joe Flacco. He was elite at some point, but he was... <laughs> at some point. At some point, I mean, he's <laughs> Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. Right. Um, I'm just I'm going through it. Uh, Philip Rivers was too much of a smack talker um eli manning mm-hmm. peyton manning peyton manning went off one time about his idiot kicker that that's a good that is a good bit you need to <laughs> you need to you need to you need to find that but like still there's like that's good to see from from your franchise quarterback mm-hmm. um, so but yeah he and after the game he said like yeah i love like i loved like playing against them but i'm glad that it's over <laughs> so <laughs> So that's about understandable. A hundred percent. Understandable. Hundred percent. Any trade deadline is comments? on Monday. Oh yeah. I think. I don't Do know. You have who any? Who would we trade? We don't uh, have anybody of value to trade. I don't know. I mean, uh, Trey Flowers is really the only person that like. Maybe. It, maybe. Maybe, but what are you going to get? You're going to get exactly like a, a sixth round pick for him. Yeah. So. It'll probably be pretty uneventful. Yeah, for real. Maybe maybe uh, Khalif Raymond gets a call from somebody. I don't know, but he's young enough to where like you could hang on to him. Yeah. But still, I mean, all like all of our guys are worth late round picks mm-hmm. at the trade deadline, and trade deadline deals in the NFL are far different from uh, the NHL and Major League Baseball. Nothing like that. Like, there's usually nothing, like, that moves the needle like that. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Other than that, I have no closing thoughts. Cool. I don't have any closing thoughts either. That game, I I was was furious how that game ended because there was a chance to win, and then Goff was freaking an idiot. But, alas, we'll move on. Uh, Noel, what does my, uh, what does my, what does my thing say? Right there. Uh, Eight seed. It's where we're heading. It's where our beloved boys in red are headed. 100%. And we're doing this all without Jakob Vrana. Mm-hmm. I, look, I, we are, how many games in? 10? I'm, we still have 82 to go, or 72 to go. I am so grateful for your optimism. Lord knows I need it. I still don't have that, that high of hopes. Eight, eight seed is high hopes? Yes, for this team, yes. Noel, the Buffalo Sabres are first in the Atlantic Division right now. Anything is possible. <laughs> this is true. 
Legitimately, the, the Sabers have been playing some of the some of the best and most exciting hockey <laughs> out of anybody this year, and nobody, and I mean nobody, saw that coming. Zero Craig, people. Craig Anderson has been standing on his head, which is crazy, and good for Craig Anderson. That's like one of the feel good stories of the NHL. I think his <laughs> his wife battled breast cancer, and she like she beat it, and like she, he was able to play. And as soon as she, she beat breast, like the day she beat breast cancer, he had a, like a shutout, his first like of the season or in a period of time. So like that's cool, and like he's <laughs> from what I hear, nice guy. Um, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is. The Red Wings play in a very, very tough division. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the toughest in in uh, in hockey. Um, and I guess Florida is in their – the Panthers are in their division as well. So Florida is undefeated. Um, so Buffalo's, Buffalo's number two. And then who are the other – who are the other two teams or th- two teams that will be at the top of that division? Um, I think Tampa Bay is going to pull it together. You got Boston – and then you have Toronto, and then you have... I have no faith in Toronto. I have zero faith in Toronto. Yeah, Toronto's a dumpster fight. Like, literally, you just need you need one of those teams to slip. And just given the talent of the Sabres, I think this is smoke and mirrors. I think that's the general consensus. But, hey, you never know. However, mm-hmm. um, Detroit just came off of a, of a win against one of the best teams in the Metro on the road. Yep. Um... They've been playing some great and tough hockey. I personally, you have to think: when is the lightning magic going to run off or run out? Because Kucherov is hurt for eight to ten weeks. They're probably circumventing the cap again, um, but that's just what they do. I won't talk about that because I'll get mad. Um, but that's a big piece to their offense. And Stamkos is made of glass. This is this is somewhat speculation, but also. Um, they did have to get rid of some key pieces on that team uh, to be under the cap. Yeah. Uh, so their defense is still solid, but how much offensive depth does this team have? They have. They still have Plot. They still have uh, Killorn. Um, but if they lose another, if they lose another, you know, cr- crucial piece, like what happens if they lose a point? What happens if they the eventual Stamkos injury comes around? I like Matthew Joseph. I think he's. I think he's a solid player, but can he carry the weight that this team needs to have offensively? I don't know. So I'm just saying, I don't think this division as is as landlocked as most people think. I think Florida's the real deal. We've been saying that for mm-hmm. years. I really hope they they do succeed. Um, the players that is um, because they've they've been kind of on this like cusp of being a really elite team, but then just kind of faltering. Um, Bobrovsky's in a good like headspace. There's been not like, not like mental illness sort of a thing, but like, just like he's very, he's a player who's very hard on himself. Um, Mm -hmm. and that will creep into his game. Um, and he's playing very, very well. Um, but shifting this back to the Red Wings, um, Larkin and Raymond, look phenomenal together lucas raymond got his first his first nhl hat trick on sunday sunday yeah sunday chicago blackhawks hate week what 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 more could you want literally nothing else he's he's got he has first hat trick against the blackhawks and then after the game the blackhawks were booed off the ice what more could you want from from a red wings blackhawks game nothing nothing not a thing not a ding dong thing not one not um, one and raymond is right now easily the the calder cup front runner i don't want yep. to say favorite because th- those are two different things but as, yeah. as far as point and production wise he's number one cider like we've all been saying is playing solid nhl yeah. hockey he's the best defenseman on this team mm, hot take no not a hot take he is <laughs> mm. all right I'll, I'll i'll keep you up for that um, and then Fabri and uh, who scored yesterday as well? Oh, Ernie. Fabri and Ernie. Ernie had, you know, started to perk up a little bit. That was Fabri's mm-hmm. first goal, right? Wasn't it? Or did he he, had a couple? Um, I think that was his first, I don't want to say real goal, but hold on. Let me go check. I can't remember. Because I feel, maybe he had an assist. Hold on. Do, 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 do
Um, yeah, so it looks like that was his second goal. He had a goal against Vancouver. Okay. October 16th. Gotcha. So he's at two goals right now. All right. But still, like, having those guys heat up, and then eventually yeah. once Vrana comes back, which will be further down the season, but that could be mm-hmm. very easily, um, you know, shot in the arm, no pun intended, um, for this team later on. So, I, I mean, are they are they cup contenders? No. Are they playoff mm-hmm. contenders? I would, I would say so. If I had to make the choice of yes or no, I would say yes. Nine times out of ten. Uh, they could have a bad week surely and then just completely bottom out but i don't think that's the case i think the young players Mm -hmm. are getting their opportunity they're playing well um and i think as you start to limit the opportunities for the veterans that are struggling um, danny de kaiser danny de kaiser um then you'll start saying seeing consistently good hockey um Mm -hmm. because danny de kaiser needs to not be playing correct And he kind of, and he kind of wasn't playing last year, which is also a little bit surprising of why he has the A. Um, it's I guess it's solely because yeah. he's been there forever. He's from Michigan, whatever, blah 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 blah. But still, yeah, let, let let's see. I mean, Stetcher when he he was a healthy scratch, he's been playing well when, yeah. once he got in. Uh, I would like to see what Osterley can do, and I mean, he's he, right there. He he can't. He's literally right there. He can't do much worse. <laughs> And frankly, it's it's the thing with Nielsen. The only reason that this guy is playing night in and night out is because of the contract. Yeah. Um, but still, at some point, you have to say to yourself, you know, is the six is the five point eight million dollars on the bench going to be more valuable to us than on the ice? Maybe. Because regardless, you're still paying everybody their contract, mm-hmm. but you don't have to play them based off of that. Yeah. No, I'm fully with you. I And I think, I'm just trying to check and see if I have this right. I thought he was scratched last night. But I don't know. No, he was not. No. Why did I think he was? No, he was still playing. Kuznetsov had... Oh, yeah. Heronik was back on the team. That was what I saw and was like, oh, he's back. Okay. He had yeah. a point last night as well. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we did... You know, two two games ago, three games ago, lose six zero, six one to the so Canadians, like, which is to bad. the Canadians, which is given all of the memes that have come out in the last year, not a good look for us. No, but if if we keep winning like this and we keep like last night, I was watching and I didn't think we were going to win because we were two to zero in the second, in the in the first, we we're down two zero in the first. And I was like, this team doesn't fight back. So we just, we have to, we're, we're just, we're just going to lose this. We might, we might get the two goals back, but who knows if we're going to win overtime against the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know? Mm-hmm. And you mean I mean, the Capitals. the Capitals. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and then we did, and then we won and it was Larkin, Raymond and Mo for that overtime three, which Beautiful. is the just the perfect trio it was it was glorious um i don't know it's just exciting to watch exciting hockey yes Corey. i i i want a formal apology from everybody who said larkin's peak is like a third line center larkin hasn't been playing like a third line center he's been no. playing like a num- he's been playing like a number one center captain yep. that's what he's been playing like. he has and why is that um maybe because he doesn't have to do all the playmaking anymore Hmm. Correct. Interesting. Maybe it's because Lucas Raymond is unlocking something within the game of Dylan Larkin. That he hasn't had in, since Zetterberg? Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. It's kind of like, like good players make good, good players, players better. better. Yeah. Hmm. So hmm. Corey will be accepting formal apologies through our Twitter if you would like to send those. Because I... I all I'm saying, all I'm saying, and the, it's a terrible comparison because the, the talent pool is so different, but like, you don't, you can't sit here and tell me that Connor McDavid and Leon, Leon Dreisaitl are better because of each other. You're not going to sit here and tell me that, you know, Steven Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, 
whoever they're playing, because I'm sure their line shuffles a little bit, they're not better because they're playing off of each other. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not, this is not what I'm saying. You put, you put Point, Kucherov, Dreisaitl, McDavid on any other roster in the NHL, they're still going to be great players. However, is Leon Dreisaitl going to put up heart-like numbers on a team? Like, heart-like numbers that he has put up with the Oilers on a team without Connor McDavid? I would beg to differ. No, I I don't think so. I would think those numbers would dip a bit. And it's a fantastic point to say that this was an argument for Franz Nielsen. Mm. Franz Nielsen played with John Tavares, or I guess he wasn't on his same line, but he had that talent and was able to be the number two center on those Islanders teams for so long, and he was able to be productive because a lot of pressure was put on Tavares, and he was able to come in on the second line and play against other teams' weaker uh, weaker uh, defensive lines and get his points, get his goals. And then once he was taken away from that talent pool and then age caught up to him, you really saw what Franz Nielsen was all about. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is that Dylan Larkin was playing like a third-line center, which isn't true, but is what you people were saying was true, because there was literally me and Noel on his wing. <laughs> yep. Now, I, yeah. can, I can skate. I cannot. I Not can't well. score. I can't score. I can skate. That's it, though. <laughs> which, Andreas Athanasiu could skate. He couldn't score. So Correct. Just saying. So that's all. That's all we have for that. I really is optimism. The kids are good. Larkin is good. I've been happy with Grice, and Ned needs to stay in it. Ned also had probably a finalist for best paddle save of the year. Yeah, he played a great game. He yeah, it was a great, great job by that guy. Red Wings Red Wings were on a penalty kill for I think at least a period. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I don't you're right I'm no you're not you're not which was another like stressful part because our pk isn't like stellar but also it's not horrible it's yeah right it's not horrible by any means by any stretch of the imagination no um i thought i was gonna say something else um i can't remember oh I, yes when verona comes back where do you put him because the Bert, yeah. the Bert Larkin, the Bert Larkin Raymond line is secure. Mm-hmm. Then you have the Fabry Suter. I think Fabry gets pushed down. Yeah. Wait, who's who's on the other wing with Fabry Suter and? Mm, you know, oh, oh, I used Zadina. to know this. Zadina. Zadina. I think Zadina stays, or I think Zadina should stay. Whether yeah. he does is a black hole choice, and will be debated when that happens. Um, oh. That's going to be so nice. But I think oh. <laughs> I think it's going to be uh, Suter, uh, Verana, and Zadina, and then Fabry gets pushed down to three. Or, depending no. on how Tyler Bertuzzi works, oh, cause, yeah. that would get shuffled around too, especially with the Canadian games. Yes. I think Suter drops to three, because they like to put Fabry at center. I, still, I think I'm he, in the minority he, with that. I, I hate Fabry at center. I don't I think he should be. It. I don't. I don't hate it, but I don't think he should be there. Oh, I. Hate I think it. he. Okay. I hate it. I despise it. But okay. Verana, Fabry, and Zadina on one line. That's a it's little a good... small, but yeah. As your line two, cool. Yeah. Bigum. Yep. Big Bigums love that. <laughs> yes. Noel, do you have some? You have some things that you. Yeah. Um. Just a real quick um, trigger warning. Um, the investigation report for the Blackhawks sexual assault a case was presented and released two days ago. Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of talk about some updates. I'm not going to go into huge detail or depth because we don't have time for that and we don't want to dedicate... Um, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is. We don't want to underserve what would need to be the time if we sure. went full depth into this. Basically, um, I think the big takeaways from this, and I will add links to 
one, the 107 page report and also the video of Jenner and Brock, the investigative um, firm in the show notes. So you can go look at and do your own research. Also um, give Rick Westhead a, a follow on Twitter. He was the main reporter for this whole investigation uh, and is probably the one with the most accurate and insightful information in his tweets and in his articles. Yeah. But basically what happened is Jenner and Brock had their press release, press conference, where they quickly went over the findings of their investigation into the sexual assault of a Hawks player for the 20, two, I'm sorry, the 2010, yeah, the 2010 cup run um, by Brad Aldrich. And the things that they found are disgusting and horrifying, and I won't go into any of them. But I think the big highlights are that Stan Bowman has officially stepped back from his position as GM of the of the Blackhawks. Um, that Stan Bowman, Joel, Joel Quenville, and several other people were in an office discussing this the day after they were told uh, during the the Hawks' run for the Cup. So, so what happened was John Doe won, who has now come forward and identified himself as Kyle Beach, was a minor leaguer who was drawn up for the cup run for practices and, and injuries and all that sort of stuff, but was not categorized as a black ace. That gets into other details later. Um, he was only with the team for a certain amount of days. And in those days, Brad Aldrich sexually assaulted him. He then went to Paul Vincent, who was a coach at the time. Paul Vincent then went to somebody above him, another coach. And then that coach went to Stan Bowman, Joe Quenville, and um, a couple other guys. And so I think the biggest takeaway is that after they got that news... It was like a day, I think, maybe 24 hours, maybe less. They, five of, all five of them met in a room, discussed the situation and went, we can't risk team chemistry. We don't get to the third, the third round often, and it may never happen again. We cannot deal with this now. And so they put it aside for three weeks. And that's disgusting unacceptable how dare they choose a game and money over the livelihood and the mental well-being and the emotional well-being and the physical well-being of another human being on their team somebody that they're supposed to protect yeah um there are a lot more details that i don't have the time to get into but the fact that that was allowed to happen, that nobody went to a police officer, even if they are legally clear, like I told this person, my hands are clear of it. Mm -hmm. You have a moral duty as a person on this planet to say something. Yeah. And nobody in that office did. Nobody. And I think what's worse and what's harder is that Joel Quenville was allowed to step behind a bench last night and coach an NHL game and has yet to give yet to be given any consequences yeah. for anything that he's done. And yes, yesterday and the day before were really hard days in the hockey community. And I know that many people were affected by this. I know that a lot of people who have, themselves dealt with sexual assaults had the worst the worst time just reading that and for someone who my myself who is so outside of that situation and so outside of hockey culture if i was so affected by that i cannot imagine being kyle beach mm -hmm. and he did a, a, a f almost 15 minute maybe it was a little more than 15 minute interview with Rick Westhead, 
who was, again, the reporter that dug into this and broke most of the news, he and Kyle have been working closely on this for months. And Kyle got up on on national TV and, and gave an interview and answered some really, really hard questions. Yeah. Um, one of which was if John Doe 2, who was the high school student in Houghton, who was sexually assaulted by Brad Aldrich after he left the Blackhawks, if he was listening to this interview, what would you say to him? And after a, a solid 10 seconds of trying to compose himself, Kyle Beach just went, I would apologize. I would yeah. say I'm sorry because I didn't do more. Yeah. How dare the Blackhawks make this man think that he has anything to apologize for? It's all around disgusting. And I don't know that I've even like fully processed or, or even have the words to coherently say what I'm thinking. But it's... It's... It, the entire NHL, the organization, and down to grassroots hockey needs an overhaul of culture because this, it doesn't start in the NHL. Yeah. You know, it begins at the lower level and, and the power dynamic that comes with this sort of, this sort of assault and this sort of crime is so relevant and so um so pre prevalent to the situation like long story short the findings for the for this case were that there were five victims that they found they have john doe one who is kyle beach you have john doe two who is the unnamed high school student from houghton you have two black aces black ace one and black ace two um, one of which we are not, we have not been told who didn't want anything to do with this investigation. And then after this news came out, a 22 year old intern with the Blackhawks was assaulted by Brad Aldrich before he left. And that one was new. We didn't know about that before this investigation came out. Yeah. Like, and all of those play, all of those people are not people in power. An intern has yeah. no has no power within an organization. You have three minor league guys, and then you have the high school student who's not part of the organization. So that's a different story. But Brad Aldrich knew he had power and used it. Yeah. And then the guys in the higher ups, the guys in the front office, had power, realized that we can sweep this under the rug for the sake of our Stanley Cup championship. And then you know, we'll, we'll deal with it later maybe. And then didn't deal with it. Yeah. No, the, the, on a, on a organizational level, uh, the Blackhawks have shown how to not run an organization from top to bottom. Um, just frankly, this isn't the, this isn't the, unfortunately, this isn't the first story of this kind and mm -hmm. unfortunately it won't be the last. Um, but the good thing is that now people are, are speaking out and we talked about that in our, um, in our podcast dedicated to this topic. Um, and the more people that speak out, the more people will be, um, willing to speak out for themselves and then ultimately bring justice to the situation. Um, the fact that the five of those guys all met in a room were like, nah, we're not going to deal with this right now because something else is happening on the ice. That's, that's heinous. Uh, unfortunately, and the, uh, there's more details about the story come out. Um, it, it, it'll probably even look even worse. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, with Quinville coaching last night, obviously not a great move. Um, and the NHL's response of, of finding the Blackhawks 2 million, I think everybody has been uh, uh, pretty like, that's it uh, for Didn't the happened. Devils get fined 3 million for somebody's contract? Yeah, a Kovalchuk contract. Yeah. Or something like okay. That. Cool. Um, so, I mean, just just a, a horrible fumbling of the ball um, for this whole thing. Blackhawks, NHL, um, and the unfortunate thing is, um, as well, I know it's a result of the coach uh, too, um, but a you have people it, that are directly involved with Brad Aldrich that you know 
A, if this was if this was solved sooner and dealt with sooner, you could have prevented at least two or three people from being assaulted in this mm-hmm. manner if you just dealt with it right away. And then B, now, as a result of this, um, and in a less serious sense, teams and other people are getting blamed because with this meeting that the Blackhawks brass had, you were able to then, um, you know, keep everything hush-hush. Because everyone, you know, you, you do background checks on everybody, but if the Blackhawks gave stamp of approval for Brad for this Houghton coach, and if the Blackhawks gave stamp of approval for uh, Joe Quinville for the Panthers, um, you know, and then the story comes out, that makes those teams look bad. It's like, well, we talked to these teams, we did our background checks, and we had no reason to believe. I mean, that's that's the business side of everything. But um, it, 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 an internal issue like that spreads mm-hmm. and then it's and all of it can be solved if you simply just get it at the root and prevent things from happening again because uh like it's horrible that you know something like this happened to kyle beach um, but it's even worse that other things happened as a result because they didn't do anything when kyle beach first stepped forward mm-hmm. um so but on the bright side of this whole thing overwhelming support for Kyle Beach in the hockey community. I saw Connor Carrick posted something today. He's a, he's a cracking forward. Um, All of the uh, most, maybe not all, but most of like the the NHL reporting personnel. uh, I saw Bouchergras said something. Um, Katie Strange or Strang Strang. or whatever. Yeah, that's her name. She was, she was in overwhelming support. She Um, was part of the reporting team for this. Okay. She was. Yeah. Okay. I did not know that. Uh, and then Mike Commodore, who's not a popular name, uh, around most circles, but he was like, he was like, dang, Kyle Beach is a man for doing something like this. So that if if you can take away any good from this, Mm -hmm. the, the support that Kyle Beach has been getting is really nice, but um, this is unfortunately a story that could have been prevented and it wasn't. Um, yeah. And there should be some repercussions for that. Yep. And so. thus far there have been none. So yeah, I, we don't need to spend any more time on this. Um, there are a lot of good podcasts out there right now that have done topics on this. The Steve Dangle podcast had Rick is having Rick West head on tomorrow afternoon so look forward to that um the athletic hockey news had katie strang on there's a bunch of places to get information from people who are much more well informed than either one of us and i would highly suggest you go um you go listen and go watch and go read for Mm -hmm. that information if you are you know emotionally and mentally able to do so um but yeah that is kind of some of of the highlights sounds like too positive a word those are some of the glaring outcomes from that report so did we want to move on to the pistons yeah we probably should move on to the pistons at some point i mean this is you can't really segue from yeah it's conversation like this but um yeah so yeah but we're Uh, i will just say we're so grateful for Kyle Beach and for Rick Westfall, Westhead, and Katie Strang, and everybody who has done the work on this and who has been in the trenches in this situation. Uh, we send all of our, our love and support to Kyle and his family and to the families of the other unnamed victims. Yeah. Yeah. No. Do you, so... Um... Yeah. yeah. It's just hard to move on from this. Like, it, it really it's, is. And so it's going to be a little bit of an awkward transition, folks. Right. But we can move on to the Pistons if we want to do that. Do you want to take lead for Pistons or do you want me to? Um, I don't have a ton to really say because I didn't get to watch much of – I think I only got to watch part of the Hawks game. Um, And my biggest takeaway is that poor Killian Hayes – yeah. Poor Killian Hayes is struggling to shoot, folks. He's struggling to score. He anytime he gets the ball, it seems like he's leaning on other people to get it to the hoop. And for what he is supposed to be, that's not what you want. 
So that's been a I, struggle. Yes, I ahead. agree. And 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 the, I mean, he's just such a young player too. So he's probably right. just lacking the confidence. Um, and you're being thrust into position like that, um, and you're not producing. That's that's only going to hurt. I mean, at some point, like yeah, you have to you have to man up and, and do these things. But kid hasn't even played a quarter of an NBA season yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was right. hurt last year. Um, so, yeah, so by no means write write him though. off. No, by no means write him off for anything, as I've seen some people on Twitter do. He's very young. He's played part of an NBA season. I still believe in him, and I still think he's going to get there. It's just a matter of, can you do it a little quicker, please? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, because Kate hasn't been playing, and we need some sort of offense. We don't have that currently. Correct. So. Correct. Um, yeah. Uh, he's he's projected to come and make his uh, Pistons debut this, this weekend. Um, and uh, I think everybody is clearly excited for that because we've seen this Pistons offense do what it does um, when they don't have a clear-cut playmaker. Um, Jeremy Grant had, you know, a pretty productive first game against the Bulls, but uh, the Pistons have played three games thus far, and they have scored under 90 points in two of them, two of which being to the Chicago Bulls, once on the road and once at home, and then they lost. They dropped a game in Atlanta to uh, the Hawks, who were an Eastern Conference finalist uh, last year. Um, So uh, good good teams. The Bulls, I don't think, have lost yet. Um, Good teams to lose to, but also a little uh, discouraging to see such a low point total in two out of those three games. Um, Cause in the NBA scoring under 90 points is almost unheard of mm-hmm. now. Um, so uh, I, I, it, what you're seeing is uh, a team that struggles to score. Um, and when they struggle to score and your best uh, scorer is Jeremy Grant and or Sadiq Bay and Sadiq Bay is, I, we, we like Sadiq, we Bey, do. but he's a sharpshooter. So, um, having your playmaker Jeremy Grant and then having one sharpshooter is not that's two of your five on the court so you need to have some sort of misdirection or or uh you know taking some pressure off of those guys because there, there's going to be days where they're not going to shoot well mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant in game two uh was 0 for 3 from 3 and I think he was 4 of 12 um from the floor um so that's just not going to cut it um if that's your if that's your leading point score night in and night out so Kate Cunningham coming back will will be or debuting will be a huge piece of what this team will look like moving forward. Right. Um, but uh, they want to talk about uh, Kelly Olynyk. They moved him to power forward in the game that uh, um, in the game that uh, Jeremy Grant missed. Um, he played pretty well. He had scored twenty one points. Uh, Isaiah Stewart was uh, playing at center. I think he was in the double digits as well. Um, so again, a lot of growing pains uh, still, but mm-hmm. still reasons to for uh, some uh, optimism because th- this is not your complete team that you're going to get uh, throughout the majority of this season because your number one overall franchise changing draft pick has not even touched the court yet. Right. So, um, we can pump the brakes. It, it doesn't look good um, right now, but uh, also it's the it, it's like I don't know. I guess it's like seeing seeing a puzzle that's only you know seventy five percent complete and has holes in separate parts of the board. Um, mm-hmm. You can kind of see it, but also it's not what the picture is supposed to be. So yeah, definitely missing some pieces. And once Cade gets back, that'll radically change the chemistry of this team i'm sure it'll it'll change roles that certain guys are playing and that's i think that's what jeremy grant certainly needs in terms of support is somebody out there making plays and also shooting mm-hmm. um yeah so excited for that hopefully <laughs> hopefully it's in the next week yeah no i'm pumped i'm pumped uh and i think they said this weekend i'm not sure which game they said on the road trip it kind of sucks that he's going to debut on the road right um but it is what it is it can't be i guess we can't be uh, too greedy about it but uh yeah so super pumped Sounds to finally good. see kate cunningham and uh and then we're we're crunched for time here a little bit but um we do have a little bit of tigers news somewhat it's mostly speculation but uh, <laughs> it's an Instagram post that Corey saw earlier today. 
Yeah, so Verlander's posting about his journey, which also I've heard some many things about, not many things. I've heard a report that Astros players are not happy with Verlander because usually when you're recovering from injury, you're still with the team. So the Braves, Ronald Acuna Jr., he suffered a torn ACL, like half, literally at the halfway point of the season. Um, and uh, he's with the team right now, like celebrating with them, you know, just, you know, in street clothes, not street clothes, but like, like Atlanta, like hoodies mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but he's with the team, like cheering him on. And Verlander has been supportive per se, um, but he hasn't been with the the team at all this year mm. via rehabbing. And that's a little strange. And a lot of the Astros players, I think, are taking that to heart a little bit um, because they were at game one of uh, the postseason um there was a thing to get Verlander to throw out the first pitch, like the ceremonial first pitch. And apparently the Astros locker room nixed that. Oh, oh my. Because he hasn't been here. Um, this, it was, it was hmm. a fan sided report. So I don't know the validity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was uh, a lot of people hold this opinion. And with Verlander, there's a very mixed bag. I've, I've heard many people say, Oh, he's a really good guy. And I've heard many people say um, he's a, he's an absolute douchebag which if that's the case i assume his character falls somewhere in the middle right Um, but i digress so he posted something about throwing and he's the best he fell it was a beautiful moment his daughter comes runs and meets him on the mound gives him a hug blah 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 blah. and then miguel cabrera on the post says you need to come home to your familia in detroit so with a couple of these reports it seems like verlander is with him not i mean the the fact the fact of the matter is he hasn't been with the Astros all year. Right. That that doesn't sound like a guy who's going to come back to that team. Yeah. If you're going to come back, you're going to be there with the team throughout the entirety of your rehab process. I, I don't – and if if you are going to come back, that's a really lame way to do your rehab. And unlike any other team or any other player who gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So kind of lame. Um, but on the flip side of that – He's not an Astro next year. Where he's going to go, we don't know. But now we have some recruiting from our players. <laughs> Mickey. Mickey. If Mickey can't convince him, nobody can. Nobody can convince him. So, in my heart, Verlander's coming back. I've said that 160 times. Um, but now we know he's not going back to Houston. Mm-hmm. We're, one, we're one step closer. Uh, lastly, if you're not watching the World Series, you got to. It's been... Of really exciting playoffs just in general um game one was awesome because the braves beat the astros um with a gutsy performance by charlie morton charlie morton took a he's like he was a part of that 2017 astros team but is one of the people that doesn't get flack a whole lot <laughs> um which is strange but i think partially why is because he left immediately after he got his ring and he he signed with the rays after that um, so maybe that's why I don't really know. And Verlander gets a lot of flack for other reasons that are his fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so Morton is on the mound. He takes a line drive off of his tibia. Oh, off, off of his, uh, off of his, uh, stretch foot, um, or his push off foot. Uh, so he takes it off of his foot. He finishes the inning and then he goes out for the third inning and gets two more outs, including a strikeout of Jose Altuve, which everybody was thrilled about. Um, but he threw 16 pitches, and we later found out, on a broken tibia. Oh, my word. That was his push-off leg. That's not the amount of pain. And literally, so the last pitch he threw was a curveball that struck out Altuve, and he was like, I can't I can't pitch anymore. Like he, he, It's a fracture, but a fracture is broken. It's not like he snapped his tibia in half, but mm-hmm. he broke he broke his leg. And he went out and pitched. And now he's done for the rest of the series. So uh, it doesn't get much more exciting than that. Like, he literally pitched until he could not pitch any longer. Yeah. Um, Astros evened it up, but the Braves did what they needed to do. Um, and they're going home with home field advantage. They could potentially win the World Series in, in five games. Uh, or not five games. Uh, yeah, in five games. Uh, at home, in front of their fans. So really cool. Hope that happens. I don't think it will. I think the series will go seven games. Um, but potential that it could so uh yeah if you're not watching baseball please do it's been exciting this entire month and even before that with the craziness that happened 
uh, at the tail end of the regular season. So uh, do that because it looks like there will be a work stoppage and a player lockout uh, at the end of the year. So watch baseball while you can because you might not get it. Yay. Yay. All righty. Anything else for the good of the order? Nah, we're good. I've said all my words. All the words are done. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the CNC replay. Uh, don't forget to don't forget to subscribe and rate us five stars. Download episodes. We especially on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us reach a wider variety of folks. You can also follow us on Instagram at Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. And yeah, we will see you next week. Deuces. <laughs>